0: Support for Innovation Hub comes from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, working to unleash the immune system's power to fight cancer and help develop promising new therapies. Videos, white papers, and patient stories are available at discovercarebelieve.org. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. In 1942, the attorney general of the U.S., a guy named Francis Biddle, met with a newspaper publisher. It was a tense meeting. And Biddle's concern was that the publisher, who presided over a legendary black newspaper out of Chicago called The Defender, was not supportive enough
1: of the war effort. So Francis Biddle said that he had the power to to shutter the black press and he was willing to use it.
0: Eitan Michaeli, who later worked at The Defender and has written a history of the paper's hundred plus years, says Biddle knew that the publisher, John Sengstek, had influence and he didn't like how it was being used. But Sengstack had his own set of questions about involvement in a war that in his view
1: was being sold with a shaky moral argument. It was, of course, a question for African-Americans to what degree they were going to support the war effort, particularly because the putative uh, mission of the war was to liberate the world for freedom and democracy. Well, if there wasn't freedom and democracy in the United States, then it was, uh, as I said, a question for African-Americans to what degree they were going to participate.
0: So when Biddle, the attorney general, told Singstack that not falling into line when it came to the war effort could mean the closure of his paper... Sangstack did something that it's kind
1: of hard to imagine doing. John Sengstack, frankly, called his bluff, said, you do have that power. Why don't you go ahead and do it? And Biddle was flabbergasted for a moment. And then Mr. Sengstack uh, told him, look, If you don't want to shutter the black press, here's another option. Why don't you open up access to the black press to the federal government? Whenever we try to get an interview with the secretary of the Navy, we're refused. Whenever we try to get information from anywhere in the military, we're refused. Whenever we try to get information from the White House, we're refused. What do you expect us to print when we don't have your side of the story? If you want your side of the story in the newspaper, you have to give us your side of the story. And Francis Biddle, being a relatively open-minded person for his era, saw the logic and was uh, persuaded by Mr. Sengstack and actually became an ally uh, with Mr. Sengstack to get more access to the black press, um, to the Roosevelt administration.
0: That power, the power to change policy, to open up the White House press corps to black reporters, that came from a paper that had already exerted tremendous power. Mick argues in his book, The Defender, how the legendary black newspaper changed America, that by the 1940s, the paper had altered the demographics of America itself. Robert Abbott, who founded the paper, and by the way, was John Sengstack's uncle, had noticed something very important in the early years of the 20th century. There was a way to undermine the Jim Crow system of segregation in the South. Bring black workers up north. Seven million people moved out of the South during the Great Migration, which shaped culture, the economy, politics. Convincing people to move, though, meant that the Defender had to be distributed in the South. And that wasn't easy because newspapers in the South were restricted in terms of what they could print. And the Defender
1: wasn't. In 1911, there was a case in which uh, there was an attempted lynching where a man who had murdered um, the owner of a plantation uh, where he worked, the white-owned newspapers said that the whole incident was because of a financial situation or because of some sort of misunderstanding. Well, the defender was able to print that the whole incident took place because the plantation owner had raped the man's wife. Hmm. You know, rape, frankly, did not occur in the white-owned uh, newspapers. There was always a misunderstanding. There was always some sort of financial um, situation. There was always something kind of murky and mysterious about why these kinds of incidents took place, and it was never the case that a white person had uh, raped an African-American woman. So when the Defender printed details like that, it, of course, uh, rang true to its readers and, frankly, uh, was able to uh, make sense of all the the atrocities that took place. So the Defender, um, by printing these kinds of stories, was able to establish itself as a voice of integrity, as a voice of veracity, and a voice that could be trusted. When then the editorial side of the newspaper began to tell people, you should come to the North, people listened because they trusted what was there on the news page.
0: Was there ever a time when people in the South or in the North said, listen— I mean, this paper is getting too honest, frankly, about what's happening. We've got to shut it down.
1: Oh, there were multiple efforts to shutter the Defender throughout the South. Um, The incident that I mentioned in 1911, in that case, the Southern uh, authorities from from the town that was being reported on, it was the town of Washington, Georgia, uh, were so upset that the Defender um, printed the truth about what had happened that they said that uh, if what the Defender has printed, and this is the Atlanta they reported in the Atlanta Constitution and the Atlanta Georgia and and news, mm. um, and they reported that the people of these of the town of Washington, Georgia were so upset by by what they had read in the Defender, and they said that if if what the Defender wrote was true, this was uh, a strike against the honor and integrity of the entire South, the entire white South. Mm. So as a result they sent Pinkerton detectives up to Chicago to arrest Robert Abbott but by this time the sh- the community in Chicago the African American community in Chicago was 40,000 people strong they had their own national guard unit their own African American police officers their own elected officials hmm. And frankly, there was no way that two Pinkerton detectives, (laughs) equipped only with a warrant from the state of Georgia, were going to uh, overcome Mm. that kind of infrastructure. And Robert Abbott was able to call on a prominent attorney and a prominent physician and other prominent citizens of of Chicago to come and assist him and and chase the Pinkerton uh, detectives away. You're listening
0: to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller talking to Eitan Michele, author of The Defender, How the Legendary Black Newspaper Changed America. I mentioned uh, getting black reporters into the White House press corps. It was not long before The Defender was taking on very big national issues like integrating the military. And that wasn't just important uh, for the military, but it was kind of this cultural marker for all sorts of integration that was uh, yet to come.
1: Of course, this was—we uh, have to We have to go back in time a little bit to the way people thought back then. And so the ability to fight in war was an issue of manliness. It was an issue of maturity. And the ability to fight for one's country was, was an honor, but it was also a mark of uh, your citizenship. So African Americans, since the Revolutionary War, it has to be said, had fought for the right to fight alongside their white compatriots— There were segregated African-American units, usually led by white officers. And in 1948, with Harry Truman running for his first term as the elected president of the United States, uh, Harry Truman came to John Sengstack and asked for his endorsement. And Mr. Sengstack was in a very strong position to say, well, if you want the support of the black press, and in particular, the Chicago Defender, you're going to have to do something dramatic to win over African-American voters. And that dramatic action was determined to be, or Mr. Sengstack determined that to be, an executive order to integrate the U.S. Armed Forces, Mm. which President Truman did issue just a few weeks before the election. And he also created a commission to effect the integration of the armed forces and made Mr. Sengstack a member of that commission.
0: Uh, did Truman was that like uh, a real push, and he didn't want to do it, or was he was he you know uh, kind of on board and like okay, I understand, I'll do it, no problem.
1: Oh, it was it was a hard fought negotiation, okay. but uh, uh, frankly, uh, uh, Mr. Sengstack had um, uh, 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 had leverage there because the African American vote was essential. If you look at the electoral results or the election results from nineteen forty eight. The African-American community in Illinois and Ohio was absolutely decisive Hmm. in in the in the results. If you look at if you know the famous um, Dewey defeats Truman headline. I do. And uh, there's a great picture of
0: Truman holding up that paper with like a huge smile on his face because obviously they got it wrong.
1: Well, that's right. And now that was a copy of the Chicago Tribune. And while unfortunate, the editor of the Tribune that that had to make a decision that evening, as mm-hmm. as his deadline was approaching, he looked at the the exit polls. He looked at the initial. Uh, results of of uh, the the polls that were coming in. And he said, well, unless the African American community comes out in unprecedented numbers for Harry Truman, which seemed unlikely com- as compared with Franklin Roosevelt, there's no way that that uh, that Truman can win Illinois. and if he loses Illinois, he won't win the country. Mm. So the the Tribune editor made what what I would describe as an educated guess. Um, The one piece of information that he did not have was that John Sangstack and Congressman Bill Dawson, the the, uh, then one of two African-American congressmen in the United States, had spent weeks before the election barnstorming around the country to try to – uh, uh, generate enthusiasm among African American voters, so that unprecedented turnout for Truman from uh, the African American community was very much the result mm. of of John Sankstack's direct efforts, which the editor of the Tribune um, uh, was not privy to.
0: Mm. So I, I don't want to talk about the Defender without mentioning uh, Barack Obama. Uh, you okay. write about Obama walking into the offices of this newspaper. He's mm. running for the House of Representatives. His suit is worn. People are kind of like, yes. "What's up with this guy?" Um, he does not win the the uh, race for the House of Representatives. In fact, he's crushed. Um, how did this newspaper influence, change, intersect, sort of the the career of, uh, of of
1: Barack Obama? So, Barack Obama that in that race was a state senator, and he was a state senator who was not from Chicago. Uh, did not have a a history here or a pedigree here. So there was a lot of resentment toward Barack Obama, even um, though he was an elected official. And when he ran for Congress, and this is now in 2000, he ran against Bobby Rush, who was a former Black Panther, was the one who discovered the bloody and bullet-riddled apartment where Fred Hampton Uh, had been killed by Chicago police. So Bobby Rush was part of the firmament of Chicago, and it was um, an audacious move, to say the least, uh, for Barack Obama to go after him at that time. That said, the defender looked at Barack Obama, looked at his talents, looked at his accomplishments, such as they were at that point, and said, this is a talented individual. Mm -hmm. This is a decent person with integrity, and even though he has failed in this race and has done some things that we're not so sure about, we should give him a chance. So through its editorial pages, the Defender was able to give Barack Obama a stamp of approval and legitimacy that allowed him to build his base in the African-American community in Chicago, and such that uh, for Barack Obama, this was the infrastructure that he needed to get to the presidency. I do not think that Barack Obama could have become president from any other state. Hmm.
0: So here you've written, I'm going to say, a 600-page book <laughs>
1: yes. about,
0: a, uh, about a, a black newspaper that was really important in sort of shifting the demography of the country, as you said, making these political deals that changed history. Um, but we are also at this moment where every kind of newspaper uh, is Very often down on their luck. We've seen uh, pretty big newspapers, regional newspapers shut down um, in recent years. Um, What is happening to black owned newspapers, to these sort of voices of the community? Are they moving somewhere else? Are they still read? What's happening?
1: Well, African American newspapers have always had to be sustainable. They frankly never have received the support of white advertisers or uh, white business owners in in other ways. And so they've had to depend in large proportion on their readership and on their communities to support the Mm newspapers. And they continue today. African-American newspapers, um, The Defender is still there publishing um, not daily as it was when I worked there in the 1990s, but it's still publishing weekly. And it still punches well above its weight, I would say, as a publication that is not just representative of one community within Chicago, um, but is representative really of an entire cause and history within the United States, within America. Hmm. And so the Defender and the black press will continue um, to persist and exist in that way as a voice of conscience, as a voice of counter-propaganda to what's going on in the mainstream press and and in other media. And, and that you, said— you
0: think this will—you think— the Defender and other papers will continue on and not necessarily fold the way that sort of, you know, general newspapers, regional newspapers have.
1: Well, I know that the black press will continue as a news source mm. and that African-American individuals coming together to form a coherent voice, that will definitely continue. Mm. You find that all over the the Twitterverse for sure um, and on Facebook and other social media as well.
0: Mm. So finally, what was it like for you to work at this paper, not as an African-American? Here you are working at this really important historical paper that you clearly fell in love with, wrote a big book about, spent years researching. Did it feel odd? Explain to me what that was like for you.
1: Well, so I'm a white Jewish guy from upstate New York. I got a degree in English lit from the University of Chicago. And the way that I got to the Defender was not through any particular interest in African American history or civil rights or anything like that, but simply because I was looking for a writing job. And a friend of mine who was also a white Jewish University of Chicago grad uh, offered to uh, recommend me to replace him. It was only when I got to the newspaper and began to scan the lobby and saw the historic copies of the newspaper in a glass case, saw Robert Abbott's portrait gazing down on me, saw his words inscribed in the floor of the lobby, That's when I really began to understand that I was somewhere special. Mm -hmm. And when I went to go talk to the city editor, I very awkwardly, for a job interview, asked her if if it was okay uh, that I was a white guy that wanted to work (laughs) there. And she laughed and said that white folks have always worked at The Defender. And it was absolutely true. I wasn't the first white person to work at The Defender. I wasn't even the 101st white person to work at The Defender. The cause of an integrated America, the cause of racial justice has never been simply an African-American struggle. It is a struggle for white people as well as for African-Americans. And we have to uh, join that fight for our own um, sanity and for our own sense of justice. I think that's essential. And that's where The Defender has always stood. And that's why it has always made room for white employees to be a part of the newspaper.
0: Eitan Micheli is the author of The Defender, How the Legendary Black Newspaper Changed America. He was also an editor there. Eitan, thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Photojournalist Bobby Abbott-Sengstack was the last Sengstack to serve as editor of the Chicago Defender, and he died just a few weeks ago. You can check out some of his photographs online at innovationhub.org. Support for Innovation Hub comes from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, working to unleash the immune system's power to fight cancer and help develop promising new therapies. Videos, white papers, and patient stories are available at discovercarebelieve.org.